0: if you continue to be thoughtful and follow up with people and tell them how you're growing and what your needs are, they'll keep you in mind. And that's happened time and again. We have truly relied on our network to take kind of She's the First as their own and share it proudly. I am unwilling
1: to give up that I will start over from scratch as many times as it takes. To get where I want to, be. I want to be. You just want to make sure you will get knocked down, but just make sure you don't get knocked out. Knocked out. So your only choice should be go focus on what you can control. 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 Hi, everyone, and welcome to the of Golden Show. Show. Join me each week for inspiring conversations with some of the world's greatest leaders. We'll talk with founders, entrepreneurs, CEOs, and really some of the most interesting people of our time. Can't wait to get started. Let's go. Let's go. Hi, everyone. It's Kara Golden from the Kara Golden Show, and I'm so excited to have my next guest here. We have Tammy Tibbetts and Kristen Brandt, friends and co-founders of She's the First, and now authors with... Impact. And that is the name of their new book, Impact. And it is so, so good. I uh, got a sneak preview of it. And it is super, super great. And I'm so excited to have them here to chat with us about it a little bit more. So welcome, you guys. Thanks Thanks for having us. Yeah, very, very excited. So first of all, let me give some background for those of you who are not familiar with these two amazing social impact entrepreneurs, but they are both co-founders of She's the First, which is this incredible um, girls' rights organization that they've built over the past decade. And um, their work is supported by Michelle Obama, Diane von Fusterberg, with over 200 plus campus chapters and hundreds of thousands of changemakers worldwide. And they have a brand new book, as I mentioned, Impact, that we are going to talk about today. So welcome, welcome.
0: Thanks, Kara. And I will add, you have been hydrating our young changemakers for years, donating kids to our She's the First summits over the years for our campus chapters. So you've been on this journey for the better part of the decade with us, and we're really grateful.
1: So awesome. So t- so tell people in your own words, like what, I mean, where did the She's the First idea come from? Well,
0: let me take a step back and tell you how Kristen and I met when, through New York Women in Communications. We received scholarships when we were in college at different places, um, but through this professional organization, we were the first in our families to go to college. So education has always been a core value of ours, and we wanted to pay it forward to other girls and young women, but I don't think either of us could have imagined how that would have played out when we were in our early twenties. But then, you know, I, at the time, when shortly after graduating from college, I was volunteering in the space of girls education. And, you know, I just realized at at 23, that so many of my friends had no idea that there were 130 million girls out of school around the world. And yet they wanted to do something to help out And at the time, social media was just blowing up and it just, all the dots kind of connected for me. And I had this light bulb went off in my head of, you know, we should be using social media to get the word out and to mobilize young people to support girls' education around the world. So She's the First was born as a YouTube video that I reached out on Facebook looking for a collaborator. And Kristen was the only person who responded to that message when she was still a senior at Syracuse University. So when we set out on this journey, we were just two young women who dreamed of being magazine editors who decided to collaborate on a social media campaign called She's the First, having no idea that when you fast forward 11 years, we would be sitting where we are today, leading a global nonprofit that is reaching over 12,000 girls around the world and working with local organizations to make sure those girls are educated, respected, and heard.
1: That's so awesome. Did you know, like, like, I always feel like looking back, it's always easier to kind of see signs for sure. But did you, I mean, the the term social impact entrepreneur clearly wasn't out there when you guys were starting college, right? Like it was like, right. there were pieces of it, but you didn't know that this is what you wanted to do when you grew up, right? Like this was, yeah.
2: No. And in fact, Tammy and I both being kind of, you know, type A, we had a lot of ambitions. We both went to school for magazine journalism. We were both pretty sure we were going to run magazines one day. That was the goal, that was the dream. And even after having started She's the First, She's the First was a side project, it was something we were passionate about. And it wasn't until a few years later in 2012 that we decided actually, you know, we're spending more than 50 hours a week on She's the First. We're spending 50 hours a week at our day job. Something's got to give here. There aren't enough hours in the week for us to do this. And
1: we decided to take the leap. That's awesome. Tell me one of the stories that makes you most proud of the impact that you've had. We tell one of those
0: stories in the book. So I I don't know if I might want to save that one for you to read on the page. But I would say, you know, last year, last October, we celebrated 10 years of She's the First. um, And thankfully, we were able to do so pre-pandemic because we were in a room in New York City with so many of our supporters and four of the young women that we had been supporting for years from Guatemala, India, Tanzania, and Kenya. And they were up on stage telling their stories. And it was just, it was a surreal moment. It was the first time that young women that we had supported from different countries had been able to meet each other. And it was in that moment, I think Kristen and I could step back and see how she's the first to just become a community and a force for change so much bigger than ourselves and I think when you, when you're an entrepreneur and care, you probably relate to this, you start something and it's a, it's a, it's a piece of you, Yeah. but then as you let totally. it go out into the world, you know, your product or your organization starts to, uh, make friends of their own and, and the network just grows and grows. And to be able to see what, whether it's people who have been donors or fundraise, have had fundraisers or the grassroots organizations we work with and the girls that we reached who are now graduates and women in the workforce to see how all those individuals have gone off in their own unique separate ways to go out and not only feed back into our mission, but create change where they are in their local communities. It's It's been so rewarding and where we saw that there was even deeper need because people kept who weren't involved in she's the first would come up to us and say, you know, how do I get involved in a cause and how do I make a difference that's as meaningful as the one that you have made? And, you know, the answer is not quit your job and start a nonprofit. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that is something that Kristen and I did very unexpectedly. You know, it's not our advice (laughs) for, for anyone else. And because we can't give you an exact answer to that question, not knowing what your story is and what your unique gifts and talents are. We thought, well, we could write a book that takes a reader on that personal journey to figure out that path forward for themselves.
1: I love it. I love it. That's so awesome. So not only are you creating impact, but you're also creating people that will create impact as well, right? Like that's, I mean, that's amazing. And that must be like in your heart, I mean, that must be such a powerful thing to know that you instigated that, right? Like it's that initiated, you know, that. So I love it. I love it. I love it. So what do you feel is, are like the, when people think that they want to go into nonprofit work, I mean, what do you, what do you think are the things that ultimately they should know about nonprofit work and, and sort of the, the challenges of that?
2: Yeah. Well, I would say the first thing is that often when you think you need to go into nonprofit work to create a difference or to make a change, you probably don't actually need to go into nonprofit work. And I only say that because we in the nonprofit world need allies and we need people who are in either the corporate world, in the government space, who are working toward the same vision of a world that we are. And there is so much change that you can make where you are. And so the first step to creating change, whether you decide you do want to work in the nonprofit space, or you're going to stay where you are and create change right there is to identify your own North star to identify, you know, we use this to talk about the change that you most want to see in the world, your vision for a world. So my North star is a world where women are safe and loved. And it's really important to me that the impact work that I do, as part of She's the First, outside of She's the First, all of it aligns under this vision that I mm-hmm. have for for a better world for women and girls. And when you think about your own vision for for a future that is better than the one that we're in today, I'm sure that you can identify, you know, what what does that vision look like? And once you have that, you can align all of your actions, whether it's your volunteer actions or your career under that umbrella, so that you
1: know what you're working toward. That's awesome. So you have, you've had support, um, or supported by Michelle Obama, Diane Van Fusterberg. I mean, how do you get this list of amazing, honest, like wonderful people to actually know about you and and know the work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, you know, it's fun to look back on those connections and trace it back to the source. Because as I mentioned, Kristen and I were the first in our families to graduate from college. We moved to New York City with, you know, not, not a single VIP connection. Like we really, we use that organization, New York Women in Communications, to build a network as a student to find internships in New York City and through our internships. Um, found job opportunities and volunteer opportunities but we really started from from scratch and you know we worked our way up to DVF and Michelle Obama and others by building relationships with mentors and women who wanted to lift us up and through word of mouth uh, and especially being in New York City you know you live here for a decade and you start to see how how small it really is and mm-hmm. I think people if you, continue to be thoughtful and follow up with people and tell them how you're growing and what your needs are um, they'll keep you in mind mm-hmm. and that's happened time and again we have truly relied on our network to take kind of she's the first as their as their own and share it proudly one of my favorite stories to tell is um, you know this isn't a famous person but I think it proves the point. Back in 2012, Kristen mentioned we were burning the candle at both ends. You know, I was thinking I'm going to get fired from my day job at 17 Magazine, like any day now, because I just couldn't focus. I was, my brain was constantly thinking about She's the First, which I was working on from six in the morning. And then I'd go to work at 10, come home at seven, work until midnight.
1: I think that's when I met you.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was clear that a choice had to be made. Was I going to go? all in with she's the first or keep climbing up the ranks in magazine publishing. Now to work for she's the first full time, I would need to find funding for a salary, which we did not have. We were putting all of our grassroots funding into supporting girls education. We were doing at the time, these benefit concert fundraisers and I had all produced by volunteers. And so there was, um, a conference called women in the world that Tina Brown put on yeah. and, they offered us some free tickets, but I couldn't go because I still had to go to the office for my day job. So I asked my volunteers for this benefit concert, would anyone like to go represent She's the First? And this one young woman, Stephanie, took me up on that. She attended the conference. And as she was leaving, it was a rainy day and there was a long line for the, to take cabs. And she was ended up sharing a cab with this random woman who they struck up a conversation in the car about... She's the first, and this woman said, who was from New Jersey. She said, you know, I have a client who—he's this man who's very philanthropic. He has three daughters, and I think he would really love she's the first. And Mm -hmm. and Stephanie said, well, why don't we introduce him to Tammy and Kristen? So we ended up, you know, he this man Tom. He took a train into the city and had a meeting with Kristen and I. He was the first person I asked to make a major gift of $25,000. Hmm. I was terrified to do so, but he said yes. He and his wife said yes. And Tom now serves on the board of directors of She's the First. And that, that gift that he and his wife made jump-started the operations for She's the First. And the only reason that happened is because this volunteer simply used her passion to talk about why she cared about She's the First and it led to this chain reaction that completely changed the trajectory of not only my life, but she's the first.
1: Yeah, I think that's so true. I mean, I think it's true even for, you know, for-profit companies. I mean, I found mm-hmm. that word of mouth on Hint, I mean, we can, you know, advertise and do a Super Bowl ad, and but we hear constantly, oh, I was at my friend's house and they introduced me yeah. to it. Or I was at this, I was at a She's the First event and I had it there first. So again, like people end up it I, I just think that the word of mouth side of of the world is you know it's sometimes talked about but I think that the value is just not you c- it's priceless so mm-hmm. it's um and I think for for networking and just also just building your company I think it's just it's super huge so let's talk about your book impact yes. so what made you write this book
2: Tammy mentioned that one of the biggest questions people often come up to us and ask is, what can I do to help? Mm -hmm. And frankly, our answer to that is often, I don't know. Tell me about you. (laughs) I don't even know you. But what we can do is we can help you to match what it is that you uniquely have, your skills, your talents, your network, your resources, with what the world needs. We just don't have the time to do it for every single person who comes to us and who asks. And so about 10 years into She's the First, we knew that we had a book in us. We knew that we had the stories. We knew that we had the experience through this incredible opportunity that She's the First had given us. And when we really sat down to think about it, this was the question we wanted to help people to answer. Because we really do believe that, you know, no single person can do everything but everyone can do something. But it is so easy to feel overwhelmed. It's so easy to be unsure of what to do. And so that's where this book comes in. And that's why we wrote this book. It's to answer that question of what can I as an individual do to make the world better?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I feel like also, it's not just about giving people ideas and trying to, you know help them figure out exactly how to move forward. But I feel like just through your own stories too, that, I mean, so often and something I talk about in my book is that, you know, people think that you have all the answers, right. Mm -hmm. Because you guys are running this for the last decade and, you know, and and the reality is, is that you guys are doing what you're doing every single day because you're trying, right. Like the, you know, you're, your, one of your volunteers started talking to somebody in a cab and that's how, you know, and you, there's plenty of these stories along the way, but especially for somebody who's just kind of trying to enter into something like they think that nonprofit work would be, and working with girls would be, you know, super great. And they'd love to wake up every day and do it, but it's a little daunting. Right. And so part of what I talk about is just be undaunted Right mm-hmm. just you just have to go try and take a step forward and see what happens and and I think that this book is is just filled with so many of these so many of these stories along the way as well and I love how really you talk about defining your skills and matching those with what the world needs too mm-hmm. that's that's also super super cool. so where did you feel like that was i mean i when I read that statement too i I felt like that was maybe obvious, but it's also something that people don't really think about it. Instead, it's, it's almost a, what does this organization need versus here's what I can do that I think could be helpful to you guys too. Once you learn a little bit more about something, um, can you name an example of where you've seen this, you know, actually play out?
0: Yeah, well, we talk about everything you have to offer being like a, a gift. That's your unique gifts. But it's so important to unwrap those gifts before you go to try to present them to whether it's a nonprofit or a political campaign or committee or any place that you want to partner up with. Uh, Because as Kristen mentioned, we are usually under-resourced, very little bandwidth. It's a big ask to ask that organization to figure that out for you. So Mm -hmm. if you can take that inventory and ask yourself, like really specifically, Okay, m- money, how much money do I have? And what can I commit to give on a monthly basis throughout the year? Or time, how much time do I specifically have? When can I give it just on the weekends, nights, mornings, identify that. And uh, you know, we really press you to get creative with, with the assets that you have. One of our friends, Michael, he is a passionate runner. He runs so many marathons, ultra marathons, and he, years ago, he started, he ran his first marathon for She's the First. And every time he runs a race, sometimes he's fundraising and he's raised thousands of dollars. Other times, you know, he gives his friends a break, for, doesn't ask for money, yes, but he wears the She's the First t-shirt and you know, he strikes up a conversation. People, if you've ever cheered on friends in a marathon, you know, you're watching the runners go by, you're looking at their shirts. So he raises awareness that way. When um, newspapers interview him about his passion, he says, he mentions she's the first. He just takes it with him everywhere, like through, through this hobby. So think about even what hobbies do you have that you could turn into a way of either fundraising or raising awareness? That's awesome. I think, um,
2: Kara, you mentioned that it feels a little obvious to think about the skills and the things that you have, but The truth is that when we think about people who create impact, there's often kind of two visuals. You think about a philanthropist, you think about someone who has a ton of money and they're able to give a ton of money to create a big change. Or you think about your 24 seven activist, right? Mm -hmm. Like the person who's out there and leading rallies and leading marches. And the truth is that there is so many things that the average person can do without fitting into either of those profiles. And so that's a big goal of the book is trying to figure out what what are your unique mix of offerings that you can bring to the table that don't require you to completely upend your life and also don't require you to have a ton of extra cash if that's not your particular resource that you have to give.
1: Yeah, definitely. I also felt like something that you talk about in your book about you should be able to visualize your North star. And you have, there's a section in the back where you actually give different suggestions on, on really, you know, defining what you care about and the, you know, what the ideal world is. I'm just reading this. The ideal world is one where, and that is your North star. And I loved that. Like, I, like, I almost think that it's therapeutic to go through your book as well, because it really starts to, you know, force you to kind of think about these things that are, you know, important to you and might not be as important to other people. And there's all these different opportunities where you can create impact. So I love that. What do you think are the biggest challenges for people right now? And maybe it's even coming out of the pandemic for organizations. Like yourself, but also with these communities. What do you think are the biggest things that you worry about?
0: Uh, well, I think we could we can both answer this from different angles. I mean, as CEO, she's the first. I oversee our, our development or communications, and I I worry that people are going to get fatigued. And mm-hmm. you know, there's just been um, one difficult headline after another this year, and so many causes both nonprofit and political that have, you know, been asking for our dollars to do very important work. So I think if someone is not anchoring themselves in a North Star and having a plan where they are like kind of proactively looking at their resources and deciding where to allocate them, Mm -hmm. they are inevitably going to burn out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just, I don't know how you wouldn't. So that's why, you know, this book couldn't be coming at a better time as we're looking towards the new year, a new administration to like, take a a little pause and give yourself the space to not only read the book, but do the exercises. Because, um, you know, I certainly don't want you if if your North Star has anything to do with girls rights, and education globally, I don't want you burning out because (laughs) she's the first we we do need you moving into 2021.
2: Yeah. And if your North Star is on girls' rights and women's rights, you know, the pandemic is a huge, huge issue for girls and women around the world. And we're not talking about it a lot. So prior to the pandemic, we had 130 million girls out of school, but they're predicting now that 20 million more girls won't return as schools are opening as a result of school closures and these pandemics. And we're already seeing rates of child marriage increase. We're seeing early pregnancies increase. Girls, you know, we really are at risk of seeing this sector as a whole slide back 20, 25 years where we were 25 years ago because of a pandemic that's lasting, you know, nine months a year. So it is, it is an area that needs your attention. And it is, as Tammy is saying, an area where, you know, you can't, we can't afford to have everyone burning out. So our hope is that, you know, this book isn't only intended to give you your action plan. It is also intended to help you find balance and to figure out how do you fit impact into your life in a way that you can sustain that over the long term. Because if you spend one year really invested in girls and women or even in She's the First, and you, you know, you throw a huge fundraiser or you do a big event or you really, really dedicate yourself and then you never come back again, that is that is such a loss to the world, right? So, we'd rather give you the skills and the tools that you need to be able to sustain yourself over the long run.
1: I think there's also, in addition to individuals, there's so many companies that are right now trying to support diversity, support women, support, and the, there's no better place than to start looking at a nonprofit like yours where you could create so much impact. So if you are working inside of a company right now and, and hearing those messages, I think that Tammy and Kristen would, would love to speak to you guys about that as well, because there's definitely more room for support for sure for girls everywhere. So super excited about this book. And if you're listening right now, you all need to go out and get your hands (laughs) on it. It's called impact and you can get it on Amazon. Is that the best place to you can get it anywhere
2: amazon your local bookshop bookshop.org
1: awesome and it is definitely definitely such a good book what's the one thing that you want your readers to walk away with
0: i want them to walk away with the one page impact plan to like get your pen out and paper and do the exercises and give yourself that that sheet that you can keep looking back at of your goals um, and You know, if you're willing, we would love to see you tag us on Instagram and we're we're gonna be there rooting for you the whole way.
2: I just want everyone to remember that that line that you can't do everything, but you can do something. And every time you do something, you should be proud of it. So tag us on those too. Show us show us every time you take an action. We wanna see it.
1: I love it. It's great. And best place to find each of you as well on social. Yeah, I'm at CJ Brandt.
0: And I'm at Tammy Tibbets, T-A-M-M-Y-T-I-B-B-E-T-T-S. And our website is planyourimpact.com.
1: I love it. Thank you so much, you guys. And definitely, if you're listening, definitely do a review, five stars for <laughs> Tammy and Kristen. And uh, definitely subscribe. And we're so excited you spent the last half hour with us because we're Always looking for great interviews and ways to inspire everybody who's listening. So thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Before we sign off, I want to talk to you about fear. People like to talk about fearless leaders, but achieving big goals isn't about fearlessness. Successful leaders recognize their fears and decide to deal with them head on in order to move forward. Send me a tweet at Kara Golden and let me know. And if you like what you heard, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow along with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Kara Golden. Thanks for listening.